0: I'm Nora McInerney, and this is Terrible. Thanks for asking. I am a mom, and motherhood is full of surprises. Like, where did this poop come from? (laughs) Okay, but I mean, motherhood is full of surprises, and one of those surprises for me was how lonely it can be. I think before I had children, I'd pictured it as just a nonstop love buffet. I would just be hanging around, me and all my friends, holding babies on our hips, making waffles from scratch, reading books, going to all those things that you see happening on Facebook, all of those events and classes that you're like, "Oh yeah, this will this will make my kid a genius." I think purely based on Instagram that motherhood is like that for some women and For some of us, it isn't because we work a lot or because we're awkward or because we're different or because our kids are. There is definitely a mom club, but even though we all have the same job title, we aren't all invited to hang out in the same clubhouse. At the show, we get a lot of letters, mainly of the email variety. And a few months ago, we got an email from Courtney in North Carolina.
1: So I'm a mom, but I'm not a regular mom. And what I mean is
0: I'm a mom, but I'm not in the mom club. Courtney's message, it stuck with me really really stuck with me I was thinking about Courtney every day I was thinking about Courtney almost constantly
1: I hear stories about moms talking to other moms about their incredibly entangled lives so busy they say
0: can't believe that my kid did that I thought about Courtney while I pushed my boys on the swings when I made small talk with the other moms in the neighborhood while I sat on the sidelines at a soccer game or when I tucked in a bunch of little girls who were having sleepover in our basement. When I had to send yet another text saying, sorry, I forgot to RSVP for your kid's birthday party. Ralph will be there in five minutes. they got playdates play dates and PTA and soccer games. Often, these are the aspects of motherhood that can feel like things I have to do like kind of annoying obligations. My kid is nine and has never had a playdate, date, never had a friend, never been invited to a birthday party by the kids at school. But these are things that Courtney doesn't get to do. There are lots of women who don't get to be moms, and there are also lots of women who get to be moms, but not the kind of mom they imagined being. This is one of those stories. My son has Fragile X syndrome.
1: I'm always on the outside looking at what life could have been, and I long to be like the other soccer moms, and I feel guilty about that. I'm always a broken X chromosome away from just being ordinary.
0: So frustrating. So damn unfair. Courtney's son is Bruce. Courtney and her husband Jay affectionately call him Baby Huey. And that's the story I want to tell. Reading Courtney's letter and replaying it in my mind over and over, I kept thinking, what the fudge is wrong with people? Like, how hard is it to just be a friend? Invite a kid to a flippin' birthday party. Have a mom over for a LaCroix. I wanted to issue a very strongly worded letter to every parent within 50 miles of Jay and Courtney and say, Hey, dipwads, you're messin' up. Instead, under the advice of my producer Hans Buteau and my attorney, I just wrote to Jay and Courtney and asked them to come in and talk to me. Hello. 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 <clears throat> hey. Hello. <laughs> I hear somebody. <laughs> I hear you. I'm not alone. You're not. So Courtney's son, Bruce, has fragile X syndrome. Like anything medical, it's complicated and above my pay grade, but it's a genetic disorder where the X chromosome is broken. It is just hanging there. People with Fragile X don't look all that different, but they experience developmental issues, autistic tendencies. Fragile X is very rare, so there isn't a lot of research on it, but it's genetic, and with each successive generation, the symptoms are worse. The first time I'd ever heard of this was in Courtney's letter, but Courtney had been living alongside Fragile X since she was 10 years old, the mid-80s, when her brother Ryan was born. Almost right away, Courtney's mother was concerned about Ryan. I remember going to doctor's appointments
1: with my mom, and she would say to the doctor, um, he just doesn't seem quite right. He's not, he's not like Courtney. Um, and the doctor would say, oh, he's fine, he's just a boy, and you're used to a girl, and they develop faster than boys. It was age three when he was diagnosed um, with Fragile X syndrome. Um, he just he wasn't talking, and his walking was delayed, um, and he didn't play with things like other kids did. He didn't have an interest in toys. He was more interested in fans, that things that spin. Um, any fan. He loved fans. You could take him to Home Depot, and that would just be like, he'd be in his glory. You know, fan central. Or, he loved the sound
0: of air conditioners running. What do you remember about his diagnosis?
1: I remember my parents coming home, and they were devastated. Um, I remember my mom crying. Um, And... I just remember her saying to me that the doctors had told her that he'll never be able to read more than a comic book. He'll never have a job. He'll never um, be able to function in normal society.
0: This all sounds devastating, but Courtney was 10, and Ryan's the only little brother she's ever had, so, so what? She loved him, and he was who he was.
1: That was my normal. I I never had a brother or sister before, so I didn't have anything to go by. Um, So that was just my normal.
0: That normal continues on. Courtney and Ryan grow up. Ryan never moves out of their parents' house as they expected, and Courtney meets a guy she really likes. His name is Jay, and he grew up in a family whose normal was different from Courtney and Ryan's normal.
2: You know, I didn't know disability, uh, really, growing up. I mean, we just, that just wasn't part of my family. Uh, I guess we were fortunate that way, but uh, we were just just typical, typical family.
0: Jay and Courtney fall in love. And part of falling in love, one of the best parts, is doing the whole meet the family thing, which is always a big deal, but was definitely a big deal for Courtney.
1: Well, my first thing about Jay was my brother had to like him.
0: No pressure, right? So one day, Courtney takes Jay home to her parents' house to make sure Jay passes muster with her little brother.
2: I guess we'd been out a few times and then uh, I was invited to the house. Uh, he, He spends a lot of time upstairs and I remember I came over and he, he poked up from the top of the stairs and was kind of like, who's that guy? Who's that? Who's that guy? That's what he, who's, <laughs> you know, he'd never seen me before and I'd never met him. And then, so he's kind of a curious type. So he comes down and, and he's kind of hanging around with me and, um, you know, he kind of, he'll say a phrase and he'll keep repeating it. And then sometimes it's hard to understanding, but you know, I, I just thought he was great. I mean, I, I just, you know, he, he's different, but he's, he's a great guy.
1: That was, that was a, okay, you're,
0: you can keep going. We can keep seeing each other. So that's one obstacle down. Ryan approves. But as Jay and Courtney got more serious, another complication started to enter their world. Courtney knew she was a carrier.
1: I had fragile X, um, that my brother had fragile X. That my mom was a carrier of Fragile X, and that my grandmother was a carrier
0: of Fragile X. And because it was genetic, and was a part of her, she knew there was a 50-50 chance her own child would have Fragile X. And because it's a condition that gets stronger with every successive generation, that any child she had could have more serious symptoms than her brother Ryan How do you have this conversation? How do you tell someone that you're the carrier of a very rare genetic disorder that could very easily change your entire life?
1: I think I had rehearsed it so many times, thinking about if I ever met someone who I would potentially marry, that I just kind of spit it out. I explained to him um, about Fragile X, and I explained to him, these are the possibilities and I explained to him that any children we might have would have a 50/50 chance of having Fragile X. We may not want to have children, I said, or we may want to take the chance.
2: You know everybody wants to think they're going to have, you know, these great, healthy, normal kids and you know we all have dreams of that kind of family. Um but you know Courtney and I had been together for a while at that point, and it was like, you know, I care about her, and I care about, you know, what may happen after that, which means, you know, a child that may come along um, with the same condition. So I I didn't let it bother me. I didn't let it scare me off.
0: Raise your hand if you love Jay. Everyone? Okay, good, because Courtney and Jay got married and got pregnant And neither of them said it out loud, but they each had a feeling that when the test for Fragile X came back, their child would be positive. So they weren't surprised when the doctor on the other end of the phone confirmed it. Their child-to-be had Fragile X.
1: I think my dad took it the hardest. He, um... Um, I'm sorry. He kind of had a little bit of a breakdown, um... He just didn't want that for me. Um I think he hid it from me, but he did not take it well. Cause I was, I don't know, just he didn't want that for me.
0: Courtney and Jay were sad too, but there was no question this was the baby they were having.
1: After the phone call, we had to go in to see the person and she you know the one of the first things she said was now there's a place in georgia and i can i can set you up for an abortion and you can have it done you know this weekend that was one of the one of the things that came out of her mouth and i thought why what you know i um i just didn't think that was appropriate Mm. coming
0: from her For a while after that, everything was uneventful. The pregnancy was like any other pregnancy. Bruce was, at first, like any other newborn.
2: I mean, you know, we we did the car seat thing. We did the pick out a crib. You know, let's arrange his room a certain way, you know.
0: Baby shower.
2: Baby shower, you know, all that. You know, there was no difference there.
0: But while most kids develop within a certain timeline, hitting certain milestones within a general age range. Bruce was different, just like his uncle Ryan.
1: When he was two, he actually started to say a lot of words. He would say, mommy, and he would say, daddy, and then he would say, no. And then all of a sudden, it just stops. Yeah. Um. And we were excited because he were, we were like he's going to start talking. Yeah. But then it just went away. It was and like
2: that, that, Yeah. That's snapped. always been. Yeah. That's always been part of the frustrating part is he would accomplish something like in this case saying words, but then we couldn't get him to duplicate. He he would for some reason stop.
0: He just stopped. That's how it would go. Bruce would make some progress, and then it would disappear. He even started walking. At age two, which is kind of late and not very well, he even went to a regular daycare center.
1: The daycare was a co-op. I had to go in twice a week for so many hours and help watch, which I thought was good because I could keep an eye on things. And the first two, two years he was there, it was it was okay. And... When he moved into the three-year-old class, that's when we started getting things, these little slips of paper. And it would say, Bruce bit a friend today. Bruce scratched a friend today. Um, Bruce pushed a friend today.
2: I had to leave work, I don't know how many times, to come pick him up. Uh, they were constantly calling me to tell him to come to come get him, um, that, that something was wrong with him. Um, I, I think it was just a way to, to, to get him out of there. They just
1: were done with him, and basically what ended up happening was they insisted that we pay for another volunteer to be in the classroom with him.
0: Here's what I know about parenting and used to roll my eyes at all the time. It really is like having your heart walk around outside your body. You have this little creature, and you know that someday someone won't be nice to them, Someone will speak harshly to them or hurt their feelings, and just the thought of that is sometimes enough to make you cry, even when nothing bad has happened yet.
2: The other kids were basically taught not to play with him. Um, and I don't think, I don't necessarily believe that was the, the teacher's intentions, but, you know, Bruce would approach a kid and, you know, that that child didn't want Bruce around, and so the teacher... Told him to say no, Bruce, or or whatever it was. I don't want
1: to play with you, Bruce. Yeah, I don't
2: want to play with you, and, and 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 so that was not a very good experience there.
0: My family of four children started this summer with a huge stack of options for camps and activities. So many activities that our biggest problem was that there simply was not enough time to do everything the kids wanted to do. Also, they cost a lot of money. With all these activities that our kids participate in, there are micro-communities that form around them, even as small as an email chain with the other parents on the pre-K soccer team deciding who brings snacks and drinks after which game, something as small as a carpool with the other girls taking orchestra camp, or dinners with the parents who get along with the best. The scheduling of parenting is always hard. School doesn't hold the same hours as a work day, so you need before and after school care or a job that doesn't mind you coming in late and leaving early. But these aspects of parenting are extra hard for Jay and Courtney. They don't have 100 summer camps to choose from. Bruce is in school now. Yay! That also means he has summer break, which means he needs care all day, all summer. And that falls onto to Courtney because she's a teacher.
1: I struggled um, when he was younger. I mean, I would just like, I'd be like, please don't go to work, Jay, please.
2: Yeah, she would beg me to stay home. <laughs> I would home. beg
1: him to stay home um, because th- this is before he um, had any, any medicine to help his behaviors. And I would just, and I used to dread summer. Oh, I dreaded summer. Was <laughs> teachers like running down the hall like "woohoo, school's out for summer"? God, I would just, I would just dread it. Why? Because I knew that it meant that I had to stay home and not have any contact with adults, um, and I would face these situations daily that's just really hard to handle. And, you know, he would have these terrible tantrums and it just seemed like nothing would satisfy him ever.
2: And he would never take naps he either. He
1: never would, God, this kid never slept. He
2: would never sleep, yeah. yeah he was up all night and never, I, never took naps, which was amazing, but it's true, he, he didn't.
1: Basically what I started doing was quiet time where I would put him in his crib or his bed, and would say, for this hour, you know, you're going to be here. And I, I would put books and his some of his toys. Because um, I just had to have a break. Poor Jay would come home and I would tear his head off. Yeah. Poor Jay. I don't know how he made it. Because he would walk through that door and I'd be like, here, it is your turn. <laughs> um, And he would, like, I think he'd be scared to come home because...
2: I drove around the block several times before I came home. <laughs> no, no, no. no.
1: I, I did. I was mean to him. Yeah, I was. And it wasn't because I wanted to be. I was just so fed up. Um, and there's not a lot of resources out there. Bruce has been on the list for a, a someone who would come and take him out for since he was three years old. And he's now nine. The last time I checked, he was 145 on the list. There's a few things, but they're expensive. And I know like in the fall, he's going to play soccer.
2: Right, yeah, we've got him signed up for a soccer league this fall. But again,
1: it's for disabled Disab- yeah, kids. yeah, it's for
2: special needs There's kids. There's no yeah, yeah. soccer
1: league that has regular kids working with disabled kids.
0: We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll talk more about what makes Bruce so wonderful. Do you like this podcast? Yes, no. Check one. Return the note to me in fifth period. If you do like this show, besides passing me a note, you could support it with a donation. That's right, we're public media. You know what public media means? Just begging you for money, (laughs) If I could, I'd just go door to door. They won't let me do that. Supporting our show is a cool thing to do because you're really making this possible. You're making it possible for us to find people like Jay and Courtney and talk to them and bring their story to the world. That's awesome. Um, we also have really cool t-shirts, which I'm seeing a lot of on the internet, and that makes me happy. Um, you can support our show and stories like Jay and Courtney and Bruce's by going to ttfa.org donate. And we're back. We talked about some of the challenges, some of the hard parts of raising Bruce, but... What really strikes me about Jay and Courtney is this luminous undercurrent of pure love that flows through these two parents and everything that they do for their child. They adore Bruce. They love Bruce beautifully, without complication, even though his life is always going to be complicated.
2: Let's see. He's uh. Nine years old, like I said, gonna be ten, late November. Um, he's just kind of a he's a, a fun loving kid. I mean he likes to he loves to swim and he used to uh actually ride horses. Uh, there was a special camp he would go to and ride horses. He liked to get out and do that, and um he loves his grandparents and uh he loves <laughs> Technology. He actually has an, an iPad. He actually has two iPads uh, <laughs> that he can get around on better than most people can. And he likes to watch um, videos, you know, rewind in certain scenes over and over again. He likes to watch, you know, Sesame Street videos. And uh, I don't he know. He has
1: a great smile, he has a great laugh. Oh, yeah. Let
2: you. Come on.
1: <laughs>
0: that's the bruce that people don't always see and there's a lot about raising bruce that a lot of parents don't always see even the level of coordination and rigor it takes to get out the door with bruce everything he'll need for an outing into the world it's the kind of work it takes to get out the door with a newborn baby. And when you have a newborn baby, what gets you through is knowing it's just a phase. It will get easier. But for Courtney and Jay, it may not get easier.
1: When I take Bruce out, I just don't grab him and go, I have to have a bag. I have to have extra clothes. I have to have wipes. I have to have um, his iPad. I have to have his backup iPad. Um, he has trouble walking, so you know I have to think about where I'm going to park. Um, I have to think about the accessibility of the place, so it's a lot of planning involved um when we go out.
2: yeah, it's like it's like having a smaller child I mean he's not um uh, i mean they're they're working on it, but he's still not um uh, he's still not potty trained, so uh you do have to take basically a diaper bag with you. Um so we we basically carry two bags. It's, it's uh you look like you're leaving town sometimes <laughs> when you when we go out. Yeah. Uh, of course we've got it down to a science now, but it's still uh, you do have to plan. You can't just walk out the door. I mean, you've got to you've got to plan the day and plan what you're going to yeah. do. And
0: also what time you do it.
2: Right, right. And how long you're going to be gone cuz you may need extra supplies, you know that that kind of thing.
0: And once they do make it out into the world it's lonely i
1: get stared at um i mean for the most part i say 99% of the population are good people um if he has a breakdown
2: um bruce's fits are not are, your not average everyday like
1: your child's fits would be it's,
2: This is uh, This is
1: full blown. He
2: takes it to another level. Yeah. It's, uh, it's It's like
1: WrestleMania. Yeah,
2: it's uh um, <laughs> It's you know it, it, there's there's bodies being thrown. I mean it's he's um he
1: can be very he will if he gets into a fit, he'll start hitting and biting and scratching um to the point where he can draw blood and that's I'm sure, a situation that people have seen.
2: And there's times where he he used to throw himself on the ground.
1: Well, luckily he was big enough that but, I could pick him up, but I can't do that now. Now
2: he's a, he's a huge kid, and so if he does that now, it's, it's hard. So when we talk about removing him from the situation, it's really for everybody's sake. It's
0: really for, yeah. How do strangers react to those fits?
2: Just through stairs. It's, I mean,
0: it's the best way to
1: clear a pool. I can tell. Yeah, I can people, tell you Yeah, people. Yeah,
2: they. Yeah, it's. Uh,
1: <laughs> if you want the pool all to yourself.
2: Yeah. Do do that. <laughs> do <Yeah>. that. <laughs> people do tend to scatter a little bit because they they just they're not sure what's going yeah. on there.
1: One time recently, just we went to the water park. He had a meltdown. And he was scratching and hitting, and there was a lot of people there that day. Yeah. And all we could think of was just get him to a place where we can sit him down and let him work through his emotions because—and that basically involves— um Steering him in the direction where we could find a seat for him to sit away from people. Um,
2: and they just kind of let him work it out. And, and
0: the, let him work it out. And just right? kinda work,
2: it kind of work through it. And then, you know, once it's passed, he seems OK.
0: Look, it's not like they're mad about this. They get it. Sometimes Bruce does stuff that would make you stare or would make you uncomfortable if you didn't know that he was really just a sweetheart that his parents call baby Huey.
1: He's an angel. He's a doll. he He's not, I wouldn't call him very affectionate, but he is, he'll show you in other ways, um, with a touch or a or uh
2: he'll actually take your hand and put it up to his mouth almost like he's going to kiss your hand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> people people
2: think he's going to bite because he he does have a tendency to um you know the his condition he he'll snap on you for no real reason.
0: That's true. Raising Bruce puts Jane Courtney into what Courtney calls the disabled club where the perks are just not as good.
1: You're just You're always different from everyone else. Um, You are not the mom that's going to be invited for coffee or have play dates. Um, Your kid doesn't get invited to birthday parties. Um, You're just kind of always separate from everyone else watching from the outside. And, um, you're just always one step away from, I guess, normal, but we're always, like, we're always two steps back. Um, We're always told how loved Bruce is at his school, Um, how kids are always trying to help him and do things with him, but yet he's never been invited to anyone's house. He's never been invited to a birthday party. And that always frustrates me, you know. It's just, it's a different world. That's what I mean about being in the disabled club.
0: Anyone in Jane Courtney's club knows what she's talking about. But people who are in the normal club, people like me, and trust I do use the word normal loosely and with quotation marks. People like us don't even realize what club we're in because we don't have to, because the world is designed for parents like us and kids like ours.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the problem is folks of, you know, just normal kids, parents, they don't, that lack of understanding, they don't know how to approach somebody, um, you know, like us, a family like us. And, you know, I I, I kind of understand I mean, what what do you come up and say? And, you know, we've had some strangers come up to us and say hello to us or, you know, they'll come up to us at the pool where he's over there splashing around and they'll be like, oh, he's having such a great time. And, you know, so it's not always that way, but most people kind of keep a distance, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like. And, um, you know, just, you know, just go up to him and say something to him, you know, just, just, just talk to him, you know, he, I mean, obviously he can't. He can't speak, but he, you know, he can understand what you're saying. Um, you know, that 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 part's tough.
0: What do you want our listeners to know?
2: Just to I would say just to take a little time to to understand you know what folks are going through and you know, I know it's hard to to not stare at families like ours that you know, that you're, you're, you're curious of what's going on and you're, you know, but try to have more of an understanding. and. Um.
1: Well, I would say if with all the inclusion that's going on in schools now, if there's kids with disabilities in that child's school, help them to understand those kids, help give them a chance to interact with those kids, invite them to a birthday party. Because I think it would make their day.
2: Yeah, absolutely it would. They just want to feel like they're a part of something. You know, we as the parents want to feel like we're a part of something. Yeah. Um, You know, just to, we want to be included in 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 the big picture of things.
0: So, fellow people who also want to be included in the big picture of things, on behalf of Jay and Courtney, and Bruce and every family like theirs I want you to make eye contact with the next person you see I want you to say hello to them no matter what they or their kid looks like or acts like I want you to invite them into the club and to a dang birthday party This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. I'm Nora McInerney. Hans Buto is our senior producer, or, I don't know, that's... Vice president producer. <laughs> okay. Production czar Hans Buto. Our intern is Jacob Maldonado-Medina. Special thanks this week to Sasha Zlanyan, Jeffrey Bisoy-Mattis, Hannah Meekock ross if you want to help us out, rate our show on whatever app you're using. You just go there, and as many stars as they'll let you leave, give them to me. Okay? And a review if you can, if it's nice. If it's not, say it behind my back like a normal person. If you've ever wanted me to come to your house and tell you a story, I won't do that. But I will be doing a live show of Terrible Thanks for Asking November 17th, live on stage, the historic Fitzgerald Theater in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota. We're calling it TTFA Live, because we are alive. November 17th, get your ticket. I would fly here if you could. Who's in it? Wait till you find out. Dessa, doesn't even have a last name. Alyssa Limparis, comedian, humorous woman. Joffrey Lamar Wilson, who does our music, and also just good music in general. Um, Me, Hans Buto. More info and tickets at Fitzgeraldtheater.org. TTFA is a production of APM American Public Media.